Okay, so we are back with the second part of our questions podcast. Um, And I hope you're going to enjoy it. I have an interesting question for you. Actually, these are all, I think, good and difficult questions, ones that would make me squirm. So I'm going to make you squirm. Uh, Make me what? I'm going to make you squirm. What would you do if you only had a year to live? And that's the sound of her squirming. <laughs> you're not you're not going easy on me. I feel like I, I have way like more light minded questions for you. I, um, I warned you, I told you it was no, hardcore. That's fine. that's fine, that's fine. Um again, I mean I wouldn't just I I don't have this question in my pocket, like this answer. Um but uh, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, this is, again, this is, I guess, pretty generic, but I would spend as much time as I can with my loved ones. I would travel as much as I can, and I would definitely re- uh, write a book because I, I have this as a life goal anyways. And I mean, when, if not then, I think the time for procrastination would be over. Yes. I think by definition, yes, if it was the last year of your life, the time for procrastination would be. I guess, I mean, I guess I would like to still leave some kind of an, like, memory. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have kids unless I would just get pregnant the same day or something like that. But... uh, (laughs) So basically the answer to what would you do if you had one year to live was have sex. Well, yeah, that's part of the fun. But uh, yeah, actually... That's a fair point. Maybe for the first two months, I would try to get pregnant, actually, to, to have okay. a... But I, again, of course, that's a very also not not responsible thing because then somebody would have to take care of the kid. Anyways, let's not go too deep into that. But generally, I would want to leave something after me for whoever is interested. How is it in those like uh, official emails? To, to whoever... To is... whomever it concerns. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know, just write some diary book uh, i don't know podcast whatever just that uh, whoever ever misses me or wants to tell about want to do a podcast is there something you want to tell us all (laughs) if i had one year to live i think i wouldn't um, be discussing such topics fair enough fair enough good then do me um do you want a more like silly one or do you want a deeper one let's go for deeper how do you judge a person? Oh, God, that's deep. <laughs> How that's do what I... she said. <laughs> yes. um, I judge a peep. Uh, I judge a people. I judge a person. <laughs> Native speaker much? Indeed, yes. I, I judge people primarily on whether or not they're interesting or not. I, I will tolerate a lot in people as long as they are interesting it's possibly a it's possibly the core of all your issues maybe yes (laughs) um so i will talk to people who i fundamentally disagree with but only if it's interesting Mm. if there's no opportunity. So, for example, you know, I, I have spoken with people who are members of far-right organizations. Uh, I have spoken to people who are quite literally Nazis um, and follow a an ideology of 
of trying to deport people who don't share the same colour of skin as they do. And I have had long conversations with these people because there was a, some of these people at least, there was a, there was some feedback. I could have an argument with them. I was trying to persuade them that they were wrong. I was engaging with them. They were engaging with me. And I had a certain level of respect to the fact that we were able to have that conversation. And in some cases, I was able to persuade them to moderate their tone. I don't, don't want to say I cured racism in anyone. I'm not, not that good. But mm. I definitely, and I enjoyed those conversations. But people who don't engage, people who are not in any way, shape or form, they don't give feedback, they are not interesting. Those are the kind of people I just cannot stand because what's the point? What makes the person interesting? For you personally, of course. The ability to give open and honest answers to my questions. Or the willingness. So it's about you. Of course it's about me. It's always <laughs> about me. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm... Oh, God, this is... This is... If there are any psychologists, psychiatrists, or anyone who studies psychology watching this, or listening to this... Um, hold off in diagnosing me just yet give you know wait until like maybe the fourth or fifth uh episode mm. that's a good way to keep people listening sure mm. <laughs> who started did you start asking me or did i start asking you i think i did yeah so yeah. i do you one more and then we're an even number i guess i think so yeah. sure. so um what is your most deeply held belief You don't let me go off easily, do you? Mm -mm. Um, okay, that's going to be a very controversial one. And More probably, controversial than the answer I just gave? I believe that life is fair. <laughs> I see from your face that and don't get me wrong like I don't think like I don't turn the blind eye that you know I don't say that people in like poverty or whatever deserve it or or any of that kind but it, I guess it's more of a spiritual belief because like I, I believe that it's not one uh, our only life and I think that uh, yeah we all have a lesson to learn here and if it's happening it's happening for for a higher purpose which probably makes me sound like some crazy person no 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 the reason the thing the reason why i had such reaction to that it was surprise because you come from behind the iron curtain yeah and you're the first first person of the of the eastern european persuasion who has ever talked about life being fair I, I honestly had I held as a kind of like a a stereotype or a characteristic of people who who um, grew up on the other side of, of the of what was the Iron Curtain as just a fundamental understanding that life is not fair okay you know let me rephrase it if not go too much on the spiritual path I can say the other way I think that people are responsible for their lives hmm and uh, yes, again, maybe this is a cliche, but I deeply believe that, of course, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you react, how you learn and so on. And I feel really triggered 
when people are blaming uh, circumstances or other people. Of course, there are exceptions. I'm not talking to like edge cases of some like severe diseases or whatever, but let's be fair. Let's be honest here. A lot of people, even in day-to-day situations, when they literally just, you know, made a mistake or maybe did something that resulted in not a perfect result for them, they find somebody else to blame. And I'm like allergic to that. I can't stand that. One question I would have on that basis is, so the the uh, the answer to your question, what is your favorite story to tell? And you kind of named a genre of how you were able to go to a place and succeed with little planning and no money, stand on your own two feet, make a good situation out of nothing. And is- yet again, just to just to also interrupting this one but it's not that i just went there and everything just worked out i mean i literally just before we started recording told you a story how i was kind of kicked out of my own place in america when i had one month before my flight and so on like i had also like in the same cyprus story i was fired at 3 a.m in a very shady area and i didn't even have like money to get home and so on so that's the point that like I wasn't lucky per default, but I never just like gave up and started blaming stuff. And I just continued trying until something good came out of it, or at least a story. Is it because, but the question I would have is that why, the reason why you have this such deeply held belief is because you've had to do this. You've been in situations where you've had to take control of your own life. And uh, other people just, they're in similar situations, but they moan about it and they get stuck about it and they they complain to you about it. And you well, dislike you know, that. This is also like, this can sound a bit unfair <laughs> on the topic of fairness uh, to other people, because of course, every pain is the biggest for its owner. You know, like uh, everyone have their, their own struggles and they can be the end of the world for them. But I definitely come from an environment to about which I will not go to, to details, at least not right now. But uh, I mean, I experienced things that um, like in, in my childhood and so on, that most of the people, when I tell them about that, they say like, wow, and you ended up here, you know, like, how are you not a janky alcoholic criminal or whatever? So I definitely didn't didn't have the best uh, upbringing. And are, you, are you proud of that? I think, I mean, you say I didn't really see it as an, I didn't even, I mean, I am proud of it, I guess, but I never really saw that there was any other option. I guess, you know, when you are in some very dysfunctional environment, there are two most common ways. Either you go the same way or you say, I will be nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So for me like this, I will be nothing like that was just my default setting all my life. And I didn't really question it. But of course, now when I'm an adult, when I share some of the stories to, to my close people and they react like that, then there is some kind of like, I don't know, good, good feeling that like, yeah, you know, I, I made it, I, I did it, I like, I got out of it, uh, even though it wasn't my intention, like I wasn't doing, I wasn't building the life for myself just to be proud of it. At some point, I was just doing it because I didn't really consider there, that there's any other way. I think we've got, we, we're going to do another round and hopefully try a, a way to try, hopefully, try and find a way to gracefully edit this all together. <laughs> okay, so I don't have any like deeper questions anymore. So 
I actually do have one, but uh, I will I will just uh, drop in something easier for now. Um, tell me a best and the worst purchase that you ever made. The best and the worst purchase. I'm gonna have to think about this. I just put it in the list. Like the mm. question itself is not really really interesting, but I'm just hoping that there is a story. But if there is not, I can also ask another one. There is. There's definitely. Oh, let, let's see. Let's see. If I can. My worst purchase would have actually been a uh, a German pension product called mm. Riesterrente, and this was a um, it was a scheme started um, many years ago by the old Social Democrat government. Uh, where you would put money into a private pension fund and then the government would also match your contributions or something similar. And my then-girlfriend had a, a financial advisor that she and her mother trusted with everything. And mm. this was when I didn't speak German. And I I entrusted this man to make um these uh, to 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 make the correct decisions and i also wanted to save something for my retirement and this was when i was quite much younger i had much less money and it was a huge it was a sacrifice for me to put money into these into this uh, pension fund and after one year i got my first statement out of that and i found that almost all of my contributions in that year and in fact would have been the case for the first three years effectively went directly to the uh, financial advisor as a commission oh so i after i, I cancelled it after two years because i had been paying in a certain amount of money each month and i literally got nothing out of it it was just money being donated to someone who guided me into a product where he would be benefiting the most so that's the worst purchase i ever made i think the best purchase i ever made was my car because i just like it it's it's a, it's a mini it says something about my this is the most sort of depressing white boy answer you could ever have but <laughs> i just i just like the car and it's also much better than my old car it can go faster it can go further it doesn't need as much maintenance it looks cool you know i had so before i had a a 20 year old Vauxhall corsa uh which was um my mother's old car and it was it was it was small it was red it was bulbous and my mother used to abuse it when she would be frustrated, so driving very fast in uh, areas that she shouldn't have been, you know, driving over speed bumps and that. And that's why I called it my mother's angry clitoris, because she would abuse it when uh, she got frustrated. And replacing my mother's angry clitoris with my, my beige mini uh, was, uh, I think, a, a, a good thing in terms of my sort of emotional maturity and practical too. I once again regret asking. Indeed, and I suspect my my mother is going to regret telling all of her friends to listen to this. What is your biggest regret? Mm. 
Well, again, I don't really have one that I, I mean, okay, let me rephrase it. If I was now like God would give me power to just change something about my past, I would literally change nothing just because, you know, I would be afraid to mess up with what is happening now and that maybe I wouldn't have ended up in this place. You know, there are plenty of like literature and movies about uh, this whole time, time frame, timeline thing, whatever. Uh, but generally, again, I couldn't change it because I wasn't there. Um, emotionally and so on and and, and like uh, intellectually even but i definitely been a player like now i'm talking in a romantic way uh for for most of my life uh, for very unhealthy reasons again that i that it, it took me a while to identify them and, and and start working on them and i think that i just really unnecessary um hurt some people just i don't know to please my own insecurities or like just something that was lacking inside of me and I was trying to fill with with some romance but I was really kind of using people maybe not consciously but now in the time perspective I could have had less boyfriends if you want because I think that some of them really got seriously hurt and they didn't deserve that interesting fair enough so this one is not re really interesting for me personally because I didn't watch that many movies in my life. But just out of curiosity, if you could switch two movie characters, what switch would leave would lead to the most inappropriate movies? It's bad that my first idea of the first movie was Schindler's List, isn't it? Because this cannot go anywhere good. Okay, moving on. I Let can me... also ask another question. No, 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 no. I'm going to roll with this. But I, I, I need to come up with a, 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 I need to come up with a film which is not, not too sensitive to people. Well, you have professional experience with working on adult movies, don't you? That is true. That is true. But I, 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 I don't know. Just switching any character from a pawn with, with with any character in any serious film. So uh, Titanic, for example, exchange any of the characters there with a porn actor um, and they'll just start, you know, having sex, you know, sucking cock and stuff like that just randomly in them. Although there was a little bit of sex in Titanic as well, so maybe it would be... But maybe it's just like sort of having sex on the iceberg as well. I'm basically coming up with some weird porn parody, aren't I? Yeah. I let me let me think if I can come with a serious answer. I, I don't know if this is really a character as such, but the most inappropriate thing I can think of is swapping Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future with present day Michael J. Fox and just having him having the Parkinson's shaking a lot and, and trying to do the normal things in the film. That would be very inappropriate. I think I will ask you a new question. When did something start out badly for you, but in the end it was great? I would say that my time in Germany started out badly and it ended up being really quite great. I, I've lived here in Hamburg two times. Um, and the first time I just didn't feel at home. I didn't feel accepted. I didn't feel like I could have a... Um, a long-term future here but 
I have learnt to love the place. I've learnt that the place is absolutely amazing. The country is a re- you know it's a proper country, you know that mm. with like a political system that works and public transport that works and like a really nice quality of life. And I am not going to give that up for anything. I absolutely love being here and. Yeah. Is it so much different in Britain? Yes. At the moment, the UK is going through some things. <laughs> okay. Mm. I won't go into the details. <laughs> Don't want to get too Brexity. <laughs> One of the things that I have done with these questions is I've basically come up with questions that I would find very difficult to answer. Thank so I'm you going for to, that. I'm going to ask you this question, and it is... Who was your closest family member and why? Hmm. Um, by saying was, do you mean that he or she must be dead or? No, not necessarily, but overall time. Well, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm very close with my mom. Um, I'm also close to my sister, but I guess if I needed to really point out the people that made the most impact that would be my grandparents because uh, I also happened to live with them for the first nine years of my life and I mean let's be honest pretty much everything important forms in your psychology during those uh, years at least on the subconscious level um, so yes uh, I guess my, my, my grandparents were really close to me my both of them are dead by now my, my uh, grandparent died uh, Quite a few years ago, um, my, my grandmother actually died quite recently during the quarantine. That was really unfortunate because I couldn't uh, go to my country for for the uh, for saying goodbye. But I mean, I also don't don't mean to to make this uh, sad or anything. I mean, she she lived a great life for a very very long time. Also, she was 93 years old, and I definitely actually, you know, I can finish um, this answer with quite a positive note. So. I, after my grandmother died, I printed out a picture of them that I have now by my computer in my home office. And every time I look at it, at it I think, you know, I love you. And then at some point I thought, why don't I think I loved you? Like, why don't I use the past tense in my own head? And then, I mean, the answer is pretty simple. Like, you, the love is always present, you know? It doesn't matter if the person is here or not, but the love is happening in the present tense and it's really it's really still a positive experience like i have a lot of love in my heart for for those people and um, i'm i'm really happy that they got to live the lives that that they lived so that's that oh that's that's nice it makes me feel almost bad because i was trying to i was trying to trap you a little bit with that question and it's, it's so positive and so happy and so especially oh. since you know the context i know exactly precisely exactly i am i am i'm being in a huge asshole here <laughs> um then do you have a question for me yeah so i guess one last one and now since you asked me so many difficult ones <laughs> i will also hit back maybe mm-hmm. not as hard as you do but at least a little bit what social stigma does society need to get over from your like maybe personal perspective not something that is like very obviously a problem i think i think um the stigma that people need to get over is that of openness people are very um 
reticent to be open because they feel they could be and often are judged for what they say and what they do. And I think the society would be a much better place if people felt comfortable to be open, but also people felt uh, empowered to have reasonable conversations with people. So actually, in a way, it maybe does get into the whole racism aspect because yeah, this is this is something that uh, many people have beliefs they have uh, attitudes and they th know that they are wrong but they don't express them openly which means that they can't be challenged and i well, I think with racism, it's actually a bigger problem is with the people that do express it openly. But even then, they're not... Okay, of course, people who go out on the street and are openly violent to one another. And uh, this, is, this is obviously completely unacceptable. But the people who know they are prejudiced against any group of people, um, but they are not willing to accept that i think that is um something that for fear of being called out on it in a very aggressive way the people um it would my ideal society would be one where people are open about their prejudices and there can be an open and honest conversation about what's right, what's wrong, on the basis that the... There are also other advantages to having, a, you know, being more open and the stigma surrounding being open is is also people, particularly with, with men, um, when they are open about their emotions, it is often seen as a sign of weakness. And that is, that is horrible. And I would be for a society where people are open about how they feel, open to criticism, open to expression, and that would make things a lot better, in my opinion. Amen. Wonderful. Well, <laughs> yeah, indeed, and I hope, I hope you all agree too. I mean... I can also add something, but we can also later. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I think that you challenged more the part. I mean, at the end, you also talked about the emotional part, but but you also challenged more the part of like you know, expressing opinions and having like intellectual, um, open discussions about it. But I even have like a softer perspective, uh, if you want to this uh, that. I also just really regret of how many people, you know, don't dare to create or to to tell their stories or to just I don't know simply come to come up to somebody and say, you know, let's be friends. Maybe you want to have a coffee at some point. You know, like it's not, it's not even. It doesn't even have to be like too deep or too serious. But I think that generally we live in a society with a lot of shame and a lot of fear. And maybe it's not even like society. Maybe it's. I don't know, lizard brain, like this kind of thing that you want to always belong to a group and you're afraid to do something risky, uh, not to get like rejected or, or, or whatever, not to get too deep into it. But generally, I just wish that people had 
more like bravery more courage to to be open and express themselves and i deeply regret and i'm so like from the bottom of my heart sorry for people that actually tried to do it and got i don't know got got bullied got rejected got shut up and will never try again Mm -hmm. so i just really wish that this would would have not happened to a lot of people and that they could be you know maybe we would have way more brightness and way more just light in the in the in us in 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 people if uh, yeah some somebody wouldn't have just been shut up by someone who was just having a bad day or something like that so now amen (laughs) thank you for your answers and your honesty and yeah even though i mean we talk a lot about a lot of topics but i really like this format not even for a podcast but just for a conversation like we we really we had few glasses of wine and talked about topics that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have came to for a while so yeah i i had a good time exactly it's just been basically we have done what we set out to do and just simply recorded one of the many very strange conversations that we have And I hope that you've all been able to enjoy this as well. So I wish you a very pleasant evening. Or night or day or morning. And just goodbye. (laughs) Be safe and stuff.